This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, the NBL season comes down to the wire as the NBA playoffs are heating up. You don't make teams with salad. And a huge weekend of disappointing live sport for me as Nathan comes out on top in the first Sport Blokes Derby. Go the Swannies. Let's go. It's 9.15 on Tuesday, the 19th of April, 2022, here in WA. How you doing? Terrible, mate. Oh. Got humbled this morning. Oh, okay. Had Do my, tell. Had my first loss at Wordle. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't know if you've done no, this No, we haven't today. done today's yet. I We've had, only ever lost one. I we had, play, My girlfriend and I play together. Three greens on the second go. We had one of those the other day where we had one letter left. But three on three on the yeah. second, and I finished with the same three. Did, oh. Didn't get a single yellow. Well, we can't talk about that more because I haven't played. And I actually had the word in my head, but then I found another word that fit <laughs> that I thought would be more up there, alley. And it, uh, yeah. It's like when comma undid me. I was like dead set it was Coco. I didn't even think of comma. Mm. Yeah, it's funny where your brain goes. Comma was a six for me actually. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, disappointing starts of the day, and I do mine just after midnight. So it was. Uh, I was talking to a friend last night about that actually, and he said a similar thing. Like he does it just after midnight, and then he's like, "Oh shit, now I've got to wait until after oh, midnight honestly, the next day." It just set the tone for the day. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. Anyway, how about yourself? You doing all right? Well, speaking of disappointing, I need to apologise to our listeners who aren't just basketball listeners and like to listen to the whole episode because the upload corrupted last week, and because we've been so busy with Easter and everything i didn't even realize until yesterday so unfortunately we only just got yesterday last week's episode up yesterday in your defense i didn't notice either. yeah look again easter had it been any other time we would have noticed straight away and we could have got it up within a few hours but uh that sounds like an ad for viagra it or does, something. Yeah. It? Yeah. uh could have uploaded it in in a few hours but anyway as we do at the top every week what caught your attention what'd you miss well shock horror Quite a few things this week. Okay. Caught the attention. Yeah, there's a lot going on. A fair bit in the cricket world, actually. Okay. So start off with the IPL. Now, I will give full disclosure. I haven't watched a single ball of IPL. I've only seen highlights, yeah. I haven't even seen that yeah, recently. Okay. But yep. I did see something that uh, that popped up on my newsfeed about Umran Malik playing for the Sunrisers Hyderabad. Took three wickets for no runs in the last over of innings against Punjab Kings eleven. Very impressive indeed. Yeah. Wow. And run out in the over, so a four for none off the over, plus a wicket on the last ball of the previous over. So they actually took five for none off seven balls. <laughs> That's a way to clean up an innings. It's crazy. It yeah, is absolutely gee. crazy. And the wicket off the last ball of the previous over was Liam Livingston, who was on 60 off 33. So that's a that's a huge wicket. Obviously. Oh, yeah, T20 specialist. And, and we've seen him. He played for the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows what he's doing. We, we know what he's capable of. Absolutely. So Malik, the fourth bowler in IPL history to bowl a maiden in the last. Irfan Patan, Lassif Malinga, and Jadav Unadkat were the three others. Also, the first four-wicket maiden over from a team in IPL history and the first team to have lost five for none, not surprisingly. And for it to be the last over the entire innings yeah, makes it even more impressive. It is absolutely crazy. Yeah, very good. So it's good to see that sort of stuff still happening over there. Indeed. Now, Joe Root was the other big thing, him stepping down as captain from the English cricket team. Uprooted, as it were. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice pun, I like it. It just came to me. That's good. Yeah, might be a title there. There you go. Oh, we'll see. Oh, okay. Get, one, get it early in the innings. So Root holds the record for the most match wins as an English captain, one ahead of Michael Vaughan. But he also sits four clear of Alistair Cook for most losses as captain. And of the top 25 for matches captain for England, only David Gower, Archibald McLaren and John Douglas have a higher loss percentage. I mean, it was clear after the 4 nothing hammering in the ashes and losing the three-test series to the West Indies. 
it was time for a change. People have been saying for a long time that it was probably time for him to concentrate on his batting rather than having to captain as well. Mm. And we see that happen from time to time and guys can improve. Some guys can get worse. Smitty's better when he's captain. Yeah. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. It's probably a good decision just for a bit of change. The tricky part for them though is that there's no clear succession plan. Yes. So the name that I'm seeing as the the clear next captain is Ben Stokes. Yeah, yeah. Now, sure, he's enigmatic. He's got a good cricketing brain. He's influential. He punches above his weight. He's, well, this is the problem. How, how appropriate. <laughs> we'll leave this in. We'll leave that in. <laughs> Why not? It's Easter. Have a bit of fun. So, yes, his track record off the pitch, not amazing. Here comes the second Sorry, one. still going. Yeah, something's been going on today. Deary, it's mate, been a deary, few today. Mate. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, we, we've spoken about it before about the the punching incident outside that pub. Yes. There's also concerns about his mental health, which obviously, right. you know, that's tough. But having that as a captain, you know, it's a really huge responsibility. Captaining a national cricket team with the spotlight and the... It's the weight of a nation. Yeah, exactly. In Australia, India and England in particular... It's a pretty stressful role, I would imagine. Well, I mean, when you think about it, you've got the weight of England, the weight of Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa, all on your shoulders as the captain of the English cricket team. So oh, the fact that he was born in New Zealand, New Zealand yeah, well, New means Zealand. he's a perfect fit for the Yeah, role. well, he should captain the world 11. But I will just mention this as well. And, and look, it has been brought up. A lot of people have said it doesn't matter. He's not the same person. If you look back at the last two all-rounders who have captained England, Ian Botham had 12 matches in charge. Four losses, eight draws, no wins. Mm. Freddie Flintoff, two wins, seven losses, and two draws. So not great. I think I, one thing to keep in mind with that is that they would have been caretaker captains when the other captain's out through injury. So they are a player down, and the captain tends to be a decent player. So your record would be a little bit worse if you're missing one of your best players. But it's still tough, you know. You've but got, it is hard. I mean, they, they always say, don't they? Like Wazim Akram is kind of the the one exception to the rule yeah. almost. Because you've got to focus not just on your batting or yeah. not just on your bowling. Yeah. You've got to focus on both as well as what's going on in the field. How are we positioned in the match? How do we push ourselves forward? Even Wazim's record would be interesting to look at, actually, mm. as far as win-loss is concerned. Yeah. yeah. And then just lastly in the cricket, thoughts and prayers with Ryan Campbell and his friends and family. He suffered a heart attack in London. He's in a coma at the moment. Yeah, I didn't. You told me this. I was unaware mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, terrible. So obviously we have links to him. He was a Western warrior for quite a while in the 90s. Played for Hong Kong internationally, which I, I thought was... Yeah, awesome. yeah. He's done a whole range of things. Loved his commentary in the early days of the IPL when when One Digital had it as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Rhino. Yeah, mm. that's sad. So hopefully, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he pulls through. Indeed. And just quickly, before we get to the main event, in cycling, Elisa Balsamo in the Paris Roubaix. So I have to say that with the, the, the slight French accent because that was kind of how we figured it out using the internet in terms of what the pronunciation was. Gotta love it. There was a cycling event on, she's been done for a sticky bottle incident. Now, if anyone doesn't know what that is, essentially the cyclist is being handed a drink bottle by their support crew in the car. They hold onto the bottle for a little bit too long and they effectively get dragged along by the car, which is uh, naughty naughty. Yes, well, considered an advantage, I guess. But mm. Oh, yeah. massively. Yeah. <laughs> Massive advantage. So yes, very, very naughty. But the main event, as I said. Try not to look at your screen here so that I get <laughs> authentic reactions. Yeah, yeah. What really caught my attention this week was a Twitter thread involving a, well, let's just say a larger gentleman. A portly playing, gentleman. Yes, yeah, playing yeah. pickup basketball player yeah. who is quite large. 
I mean, look, he looked fairly handy, even though no one was really playing any defense. Oh, he was skilled. Some of the passes he threw. Yeah. Yeah, he was clearly skilled. He hit that big three. He did, yes. He knew what he was doing. He did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a little request on there to say, come up with a nickname for him. Now, I have to include a disclaimer here. Yes. I am a larger bloke. Got a little bit of weight around the uh, around the belly. We're both carrying more than we probably should be, yes. Yeah. So, so I feel like we, of all people, get a free pass to giggle at this. <laughs> okay. If you're skinny and you laugh at this stuff, though, you're probably going to hell. <laughs> no. Well, it is Easter. This is true. Now, in honour of Obi Toppin's great work in the last week of the season, I actually donned this guy, Obese Toppin. Which, I must say, did make me laugh out loud, yes. But I went through the comments and there was a mountain of absolute classics. So I'm going to rattle a few of these off for you. 22 exactly. Does it include the one that I saw, Menu Ginobili? It does include Menu Ginobili. Yeah, that was rather funny too. So yeah. we'll, we'll leave that. That's the first one. Menu, okay, very good. Menu okay. Ginobili. Yeah. All right, so we had Thick Smits. <laughs> yeah. Pear Jordan. Okay, yeah. Not okay. Bad. Pear shaped, yeah. Gallon Iverson. <laughs> bowl Bowl. <laughs> B-O-W. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yep. Um, I love this one. Hakeem Lasagna one. <laughs> Yeah. World be fries. Thickly Jokic. Uh, that oh, yeah, on, okay, on, yeah. on the thick yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry Steakhouse. <laughs> uh, Tim Duncan Donuts. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gravery Johnson. <laughs> Latrell Feedwell. Yeah, I, I like yep, that one. Yep, yep. Oscar Blobbertson. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the, the long bow is getting this, drawn this, a little bit This here. one's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Sean Blimp. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Cal Ming. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, they get better. Larry Huge. Yep, yep. Entree Iguodala. Oh, okay, yeah. In the menu, Ginobili. Yep, yeah, now okay. we're getting better. Yep. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Channing Deep Fry. <laughs> Channing Fry, I haven't thought about him for a while. Shaquille O'Meal. Yeah, well, Snack O'Meal is another variation. Yep, there, that's right? an yeah, that's obvious yeah. one. Uh, Tracy McGravy. Yep, yeah, I heard that one before, actually, yeah. And yep. my absolute favourite, Nick Van XXL. <laughs> I think I've heard that before too, oh, actually. I think yeah. that is just so clever. I love it. Oh, oh, so internet. a very, very good list. Indeed. How about yourself, mate? Well, a few things here and there. So things don't seem to be going too well for the LIV Golf Investment Super Golf League with Greg Norman as their chief headhunter. Apparently they have three billion in the coffers to try and bring people across. But John Rahm, for example, I think Rory McElroy, a few different people have said, no, nah, they're not interested. By the way, John Rahm, John Rahman. Oh, very nice. No, I know he's not. uh, Yeah. So I think there'll be more to come out of that. The Carolina Panthers have been linked to Baker Mayfield. Now, I can't remember if I said it on our recording or not. I've definitely been saying it to friends around the place that I said I wouldn't be surprised if he was out of the league in two or three years. Could be two or three months at the rate we're going. Mm. But apparently, so the Panthers have been linked to him. And one of their wide receivers, Bobby Anderson, left a comment that just said, No! (laughs) On an Instagram post, I think it was. Oh, dear. So, gee, that's not a uh, vote of confidence, is it? Mm. Harrison Kerr and Carla Bull both claimed the stall gift Yesterday, 140th iteration of the race. I learned at the quiz just recently that the original prize was, I think, 28 pounds and a pig. There you go. Yeah, what a gift, eh? You've just run a big race. Uh, Here, have a pig. Have a pig. Yeah. Petra Kurikova in the World Triathlon League got done when she had a six-second advantage for spitting next to the pool. Oh. That seems a bit rough, I would have thought. Athletes spit all the time. But I guess if rules is rules. A pool in a triathlon? That's weird. It is actually. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Isn't the pool usually an ocean? Well, it's, it's a water leg, <laughs> yeah. so I guess. Like yeah, a, that's like a good a, point, though. Yeah. yeah, I did not think of that. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Of course, some of these athletes come from countries that don't have oceans. <laughs> Possibly not one of those. Uh, and then finally, I, I left this one because it's a bit of a talking point. So the Lop Marines player, Roki Sasaki, was pulled from what could have been his second consecutive perfect game in the Japanese Professional League after pitching the league's first perfect game in nearly 30 years. Now, the Marines manager, Tadahito Uguchi, defended his decision by saying, if you think about what's best in the long run, I thought he reached his limit today. By the end of the seventh inning, he was getting close to hitting the wall. My question to you is, Stu, even if he was close to hitting the wall, is this a good idea? Surely, I mean, this is, these are the pieces of theatre that people love about sport. Are analytics taking over? This Michael Wilbon went off about this on PTI today. He's like, this is where analytics go wrong. People want to see this stuff. Yeah, and, and it's tricky because people like us who love that sort of stuff, absolutely, it is one of those things where we look at it and go, mm, you could have left him in for a couple more. I mean, look, in the eighth inning, chances are, if he's absolutely in his last legs, he probably blows the perfect game. Well, exactly. That's That was exactly my thoughts. Leave him in. If he screws up, pull him straight away. One hit is all it takes. And the thing is, and which this probably leads perfectly into the next thing that I can actually see written on your on your run sheet, it also depends on the situation in the game. I mean, what if he has a bad third of an inning, ends up with the bases loaded, and it costs them the game? So I can kind of see... Yeah, but all it takes is one blemish. You can pull a guy mid-innings. You don't need to wait. Oh, you can. So... But what, I mean, even what was the score? Well, it was tied nil. Nil. There, there yeah, you go. Yeah. So if it's nil nil, and he comes in, and the first pitch he throws out in the eighth inning goes over the over the fence. Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a game that potentially, and, and as I can see on your run, they that, lost one nil in the tenth. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a like, tricky one. If, yeah. if it was they're up five nothing or six nothing, I would say yeah, absolutely leave him in. But I can understand why. Yeah, no, fair enough. I can see both sides too. If I'm the manager, I'm inclined to leave him in. And if things go pear-shaped, I say, hey, look, he just made history. He would have made history again. It was worth rolling the dice. It's on me. That's how I would have played mm. it. But no, oh, I understand. Interesting. What'd you miss, mate? Well, I'm really gutted that I missed the Tasmania Southeast Melbourne Phoenix game in the NBL on Sunday. I was meant to have a gap in between the, the stuff that we did with my parents and the in-laws coming over. But apparently, after they rocked up early on our doorstep, it's rude to watch basketball while they're over, especially if it's not the Wildcats. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Know, so Luckily, your wife doesn't listen to this and she won't hear you just saying that. This will be the episode you'll listen again. <laughs> I want to support you. Uh, oh, dear. She's not Pauline Hanson, by the way. No, no, no thankfully. Yeah, look, I, I grazed around. So I didn't see many full matches, but I saw like a lot of halves. Mm. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more NBA playoffs, but it is that time of year. There's a lot of family stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, my partner and I are off for the week, so we've had more activities than usual as well. So, yeah, I, I still feel like I'm across things, but I would have liked to have seen maybe one extra game, for example. Three or four full games a day is hard. Oh, it is. It is. And, and luckily in the NBA, a lot of the games haven't been super close. Mm. So I don't feel like I've missed a hell of a lot. No, fair enough. But we'll get there. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, usually the bloody hell is a bit of light entertainment, but it's a really disappointing one this week. Okay. Really disappointing. It goes to the Pittsburgh Maulers USFL team and coach Kirby Wilson. So as if this story isn't bad enough, it was actually recorded in a documentary entitled United by Football, a season in the USFL, and it looked at the lead up to the upcoming season. So in this episode, there was an incident being addressed where running back Devion Smith is cut by the team for requesting pizza at the team's hotel 
instead of the chicken salad the team had organized. Yeah, exactly. Cut. Cut. Okay. Yeah. So basically, long story short, Smith was asked if he liked or ate chicken salad, and he said no. The staff member who asked the previous question said, you know, is there a problem? And he said, well, yeah, I don't eat the chicken salad. And I think his exact word was yes. And then a staff member has come in with a pizza and Smith has asked if he could have a slice of that instead of the chicken salad. Now, just one slice. Just one slice, yeah. yeah. Not okay. after a whole pizza. Yeah. Now, in clips before and after you see Wilson cut Smith from the team, he is heard saying, and I quote, he crossed the line, so we had to deal with it. Any disrespect of football or members of staff, USFL, etc., will not be tolerated. And then after he cut him, he said, someone's hurt feelings are a distant second to the greater good of the team. And we've moved on and turned that page and I'm happy we did it. How fucking disgraceful is that? Oh, get Urban Meyer on the coaching staff. That's what I say. <laughs> Bloody hell. The whole USFL is very weird. The, the entire thing is in a bubble in Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. So your word for it. Didn't look so yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... I don't know. It feels like there's more than meets the eye here. That's exactly what I was about to ask. Yeah, Do you think yeah. there's something else going on? Uh, there has to be, right? Jeez. Imagine reacting that way to someone going, can I have a slice of pizza? Yeah. I mean, these these are big boys. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Need, one slice isn't a big ass. They need more than a chicken salad. Yeah. To, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And one slice is not really that much either. So Bloody hell. Yeah, absolutely. So to Kirby Wilson and the Pittsburgh Maulers, as Nathan has alluded to. Sorry, yeah, I can't help myself. All I can say is. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. So, Shui, let's start with the NBA and the basketball this week. And I guess we'll clean up the end of the playing games from last week because they'd happened when we recorded, but we hadn't seen a hell of a lot. And there's aftermath. There is. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things from those previous games. Now, Patrick Beverly was fined $30,000 for, quote, egregious use of profanity. Right. This included answering a question about a vow he made in September about taking the Wolves to the playoffs with, I told you we were going to the playoffs. Most of you, y'all looked at me like I was crazy when I first said that. I fucking told y'all. So what he's done, he's posted on Twitter a picture of the QR code from his Venmo with the handle at fines for Beverly. Lots of people on either side of this, you know, bro, you made 13 million this year and you're asking for a handout. Absolutely. This reeks of the Latrell Sprewell, I've got a family to feed bullshit comments. Speaking of Minnesota as well, back in the day. Do you remember that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That That's is. what comes to mind immediately when I heard about this. Yeah. It's disgraceful. Okay. Right. He's okay. like that, don't you think? Well, no, no. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, sorry. Flip side. Th- th- okay. Th- Let's are, do the flip side. Flip side. And, yeah. and, and I, the one that I liked the most on the other side was someone who said, Everyone tripping that people are sending money like it's any of their damn business what others do with their money. If I want to light a $20 bill on fire, that's my prerogative. Well, actually, it's illegal. It's illegal yeah. as well, yes. <laughs> so that's a really bad example. It, 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 but at the same time... <laughs> to destroy legal, uh, yeah, legal, legal tender. tender is, yes. But yeah, oh, look, okay, that's a point. That is a point. It is a point. And I, look, I'm 100% with you. I don't think that is anyone else's place to pay his fine. Yep. And quite frankly, the league should step in, but I don't know if they can. No, no, I don't think they can. But like, it's a bit of a dick move on his part, I think. Mm, Because, I mean, he'll make more in a season than the majority of his fans will make in a lifetime. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are sort of looking at it going, well, in Minnesota, we look after our people. You know, we're happy to put in a few dollars to pay these fines because especially if you look at what Pat Bev did in that game and also what he has done. Oh, well, he did He did exactly what they brought him into the city to do as far as winning games and playing hard-nosed defense and all that sort of stuff, bringing that aggression and all that. Yeah, hmm. he's a great player to have come playoff time. 
And so the people of Minnesota are just trying to show that, hey, we appreciate what you're yeah, doing. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And then the other one was this whole incident with Miles Bridges being thrown out of the game against Atlanta. Yes. Throwing a mouth guard at a fan who was mouthing off at him. And God, that guy was larger than life, wasn't he? He was. <laughs> he was. He just seemed like a caricature. And the worst part is that he wasn't even the one that copped it. it That's was so often the way. 16-year-old girl behind that who copped the mouth guard. I think it hit her in the shoulder and then bounced, did, bounced yeah. up. So it, I saw the footage just before we hit record again. Yeah, yeah And yeah. it kind of reminded me of that whole Steph Curry incident against Cleveland where he fouled out in the, the yes, final and he pegged, Yeah, It was game six, I think it was. And yeah, he's pegged it and it's hit that fan. And, yep. But uh, yeah, Bridges has reached out and said, look, if anyone knows this girl, please let me know because I'd love to reach out to her. I don't know what he's going to do exactly. but Well, the thing I found interesting was in his apology, he seemed to kind of say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't intend to hit the girl. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not I'm not sorry about pegging my mouth guard into the yeah. crowd. I'm sorry I missed that dude. Basically. So it was a bit of an interesting yeah. apology in that sense. And as but... a professional athlete, disappointing that you missed him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great pass. Well, hey, they were down like what nearly 40 at the yeah. time. It was pretty woeful. Wasn't they, it? Their defense in that game, some of the worst defense yeah. I reckon I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm not disappointed I missed that one. Put it that way. So we had a couple of other playing games. I don't know how much you managed to see of, of these ones. I see your list there, and I did watch Atlanta and Cleveland. I did, right. yeah. So we'll might as well start with that. Yeah, so yeah. Atlanta 107, Cleveland 101. Yep. Cleveland officially out of the playoff yes. race. Atlanta in as the number eight seed. What did you think of the game? Yeah, it was an interesting seesawing affair a little bit, wasn't it? Trey Young really hit fire towards the end. And again, I... I kind of bad he's a bit of a villain and i bad mouthed his the regular season is boring comment well they survived the regular season congratulations there's no denying his skill and talent he was knocking down threes he threw some very tasty dishes uh in those two playing games too i thought so i think well, he was probably the difference for mine oh, he played very well yeah absolutely the big takeaway for me for this game was that half time stephen a smith said that he forgot john collins wasn't playing Put it in perspective, John Collins hadn't played for a month at that point. Mm. And I know you and I put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be across everything, probably more than we should, given that this is a hobby and a labor of love. So it did make me feel a little bit better when a professional gets a detail like that so wrong. Mm. Turns out he actually played in game one, which is good for Atlanta now that they are in the first round and they need him against Miami. And we'll get to that. But yeah, that was the other thing that stuck out for me as well. Yeah. And look, the big reason that they need him is because Clint Capella went down in that game. Yes, and that's right. That was an interesting one, wasn't it? Well, it was. So Evan Mobley's gone up for a, a, I don't know, a reverse layup, a dunk, whatever. And Capella's gone for the ball fake and come down and basically grabbed him by the neck, which ended up being a flagrant foul. Kind of grabbed him on both shoulders and pulled him down. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's 100% a flagrant. Yeah, absolutely it was. Yeah. But then as they've landed, Mobley's fallen backwards onto Capella's knee and yep. kind of hyperextended it. So... Yeah, he's done for the season, which obviously then puts even more pressure on them to have Collins available. True. And it puts more pressure on guys like Okongwu and, and those sorts of players. Gallinari, I guess, as a, as a power forward as well. You're right, though, about this game, just quickly. It, it was absolutely a tale of two halves. So Cleveland, first half, they were absolutely running, oh, yeah, they were looking good. running the Hawks off the floor. And it's funny, I was thinking, geez, they might even take a few games from my... They're looking pretty good. I like their three big-man lineups, hey? I know. Who would have thought you would potentially even like Laurie Markinen? <laughs> he played bloody well. He was not missing. What? Well, like, geez, how many threes did he hit? I think he hit seven. Yeah. It, this is very much a situation that just fits him a lot yeah, better yeah, it than does. Chicago. It does. But, it does. But yeah, they're rolling. You know, Trey Young had six points at the half. He finished with 38. Yeah, so. yeah, he played superb in that second half. And, yeah. and, you know, people always say, do what you do best. And that's what Trey did. Second half, 
floater game, elite, absolute elite floater game. I always talk about that. But taking like threes from like a good two meters behind the line as well. That, <laughs> like, that, sometimes that's what it takes. Well, that's you what Steph does. They, a lot of it's a modern game. They always say with shooters though, just seeing the ball go in the basket, you know, get to the free throw line, maybe, yeah, get a floater, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And yeah, he put him on his back and, and that was that. And Cleveland, they looked a bit tired down the stretch. Their starters all played at least 36 minutes. Garland went 43. It was a little bit more, I guess, yeah, dispersed nicely with Atlanta. You had DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Onyeko Okongwu, DeLon Wright. They all played 21 to 29 minutes right in that sweet spot and they had fresher legs. So, And Jared Allen was back too, which was interesting. There are a few guys back that I didn't expect to be back that quick. So that might have affected our tips a little bit, yeah, but I mean, it's I, always hard tipping ahead. And the thing is like Allen, he's, he's not fresh. So no, no, he, he contributed though, I thought. But, he, but he's not 100%. He's, he's not all-star, Alan. That's... Yeah, yeah. well, he's got the off-season now. He does. Yeah. He does. But I think that'll be a bit of hunger for Cleveland. Mm. That, that's a good experience for them. Well, and, and the thing is, again, we, we go back to it. No Colin Sexton all season. Yes, yep. This is a team that has overachieved and arguably their best player is coming back next year. So And Ricky Rubio, by all accounts, is making a difference too. So, yes. so a couple of big names. Okay, granted, they're backcourt players and they have Rondo and they could cover them a bit, but it, they're, they're big names. Huge, yeah. yeah. Now, the Pelicans-Clippers game was kind of ruined by the fact that Paul George was rubbed out before it started. Mm. Play in P. <laughs> yeah, well, stay in P. Stay in P, yeah. yeah. Isolation yeah. P. Yeah. Different type of isolation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, I think we kind of both thought this was going to go a very different way. If Paul George plays, we didn't necessarily think it was going to be a blowout. It was predicted to still be a fairly close game, but I think we both thought the Clippers would win that one. I did expect the Clippers to win, but neither would have surprised me, even if he had played, to be honest, because mm. CJ McCollum's fit in really well there and and they, they did some good things. Yeah. yeah, so New Orleans 105, defeat LA 101. A lot of the attention with this one goes to Brandon Ingram. He was amazing. 30 points, 14 of 21 from the field. For me, though, it was the role players of New Orleans. That's what I loved. Larry Nance Jr., he was basically a throw-in with the CJ McCollum trade. Certainly better in that second half than the first half, I thought. Well, he's huge. 14 points, 16 rebounds, seven offensive, and some massive plays down the stretch. He basically kept Jonas Valanciunas on the bench. Yeah, and he started well. He had what? He had double-figure rebounds in the first half, Jonas. So there's a bit of a tale of two halves in that one too, actually. Yeah. yeah. But then if you look at who else was playing the big minutes down the stretch, Herb Jones, rookie. Trey Murphy the third, rookie. Naji Marshall, I'm pretty sure he's a rookie as well. I like the D that Herb Jones plays, though. He oh, locks down. He yeah. should have probably been all defensive team. Right? There's a there's a reason why they were starting him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then even like Jose Alvarado, they all put in big minutes down the fourth. And this team kind of grew up before our eyes. It was it was really great to watch. The flip side is that someone like Devontae Graham. Okay, he can barely get on the floor right now mm. because his knee's stuffed. He played 28 minutes a game in the regular season. He played 336 in this one. Yeah. So, yeah, it, look, it's great, though. Their lineups are all interchangeable. They've got these great oversized guards with huge wingspans. And again, McCollum's given them that kind of veteran presence that they really needed to kind of solidify and glue it all together. So, yep. Yeah. And again, just like Cleveland. They're missing their best player, arguably. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, with Zion, yeah, I think you can make a strong case. Brandon Ingram, Ingram would be at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're talking about one of these guys who was labelled, okay, probably mislabeled early, but labelled a generational sort of player because of what he can do on the basketball court. You add him into this team. Yep. And holy shit. Yeah, well, they might have a better chance of keeping him in town with Christian James McCollum there. 
Yeah, I, left, I learned that in the commentary. I never knew that prior to that. So. Would have been like Corey Joseph. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. Corey Joseph McCollum. I'll tell you what, though. Both teams tried to lose this one at the foul one. It was ugly. 13 of 25 for New Orleans, 22 of 34 for the Clippers. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, not not great, but it also added to the drama. Because yes. Missed free throws represent opportunities indeed, a lot of the time. So, indeed. So, very, very cool. So, we had our eight series all set. And yes, and we've had a game in each now, or at least a game at least in each. One. Yeah, yep. So I kind of, I mean, I've got some takeaways from them. I'm not sure how much you've had a chance. Fire to away, yeah. I'll reflect on your takeaways. Let's do that. I, I see the top of your list there. I did watch that Phoenix New Orleans game. I'm a bit disappointed that was the game we got on ESPN, mm. but I had to play the hand I was dealt. I'll tell you what, the way Phoenix started, you're thinking, bloody hell, this is going to be a long, well, a short, long series yeah. for New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. And then in the second half, they acquitted themselves so well. They'll take a lot away from that because. Phoenix played nearly flawless basketball in the first half. They were magnificent. And Chris Paul, my God, mm. what a game, hey? Did you get a chance to see it? Or? I saw highlights. I didn't yeah. get a chance to see it, unfortunately. But, yeah, oldest player with 30 points and 10 assists in a playoff game. Yep. Very, very impressive. Yep. And he did get that 30 pretty late. But, yeah, he played superbly well. He did. Really well. I think, look, for me, the big stat from this one is it's really simple. It's the field goal percentage. New Orleans, 38% or less than 38% from the field. Phoenix nearly 54. It's so funny you say that because on the kind of, what do they call it, wired or... People who are plugged in with the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they showed Willie Green on the bench and he basically said, guys, you're playing well. You'll start hitting your shots. Just keep playing the way you're playing. It'll be okay. And sure enough, that's what happened in the second half. The shots started dropping and they, they actually had a chance to win. Hmm. Oh, they helped themselves. They had 25 offensive rebounds in the game. But when you shoot that poorly, it's very hard to overcome. It's, and it's hard to overcome a big margin against a very, very good team. Absolutely. Now, Minnesota was probably the, the shocker, I guess, of the first day, getting the, the biscuits over Memphis. Yeah, yes and no. I think, I think Minnesota would have been really happy with that matchup because they would have looked at Memphis and gone, okay, they have a better record than us and they've played really well this season. But they're young and we, we can take them. So that's that's a mouth watering. We already said it was. But. Well, both the two sevens, you wouldn't be surprised if the seven. No, not at all. Won, so. Yeah, exactly. And look, first thing I will say for Memphis, there's no reason to get concerned yet. No, no, no. There's not. Okay, they've lost home court, but they'll they'll be okay. I think for me though, the, like the big concern for Memphis is just how easily Anthony Edwards got his numbers, like 36 points in his first ever playoff game after a 30 in the play-in before it. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy clearly doesn't feel pressure. Yeah, he just comes yeah. out and plays his game. Do you know what I mean? Magic Johnson and Tyler Hero have more in a playoff game before turning 21. There you go. Crazy. Yeah. But Memphis gave up 43 bench points. So the second unit for Memphis is under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, already. yeah, okay. And game two, it does become quite big. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Obviously, if Minnesota... You can't go back to Minnesota down 0-2. Yeah, it's going to be tough. No, it's going to be very I tough. expect Ja Morant to have a big one. Interestingly, the last time the Wolves won a playoff game on the road, Anthony Edwards was two. Doesn't surprise me, I hate mm. to say. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Just shows you how uh, average they have been for quite what, a while. Where was that, like, KG's last season with the team or yeah. one of his last seasons? Well, 2004 it would have been, I imagine. So, yeah, it would have been, like, yeah, KG, Troy Hudson, Wally Zerbiak. Yeah. Those yeah. sorts of guys. Maybe Irvin Johnson, possibly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Would have been very Trenton Hassel, I think. Might have Trenton been. <laughs> Hassel with the long socks playing lockdown D. Would have been a few of those. Sorts yeah, of yeah. Now, Golden State, 2 nothing up on Denver. It's not looking great for Denver. It's not, see. but they are missing two of their best players. So in some ways, it's not a surprise at all, is it? But Den Den Denver were up early in the game today. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I've taped it. 
And then they got killed, didn't they? It was like 26 or something. Do you want to know what the most surprising stat is? What's that? Nikola Jokic's plus minuses. Negative 19 in game one, negative 26 in game two. So statistically, they're actually better with him off the floor. <laughs> as absurd as that is. I, they just don't look the same. As you say, no Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray. It's... I challenge any team to beat a team like Golden State in a seven-game series without their second and third best players. I challenge you to beat any of the top six or seven in the West. Exactly. Without those exactly. Or both, both conferences. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like Aaron Gordon's been putrid. Steph Curry, 34 off the bench in less than 23 minutes. It's becoming a bit of a trend for Aaron Gordon not turning up in the playoffs. Mm. I made a lot of excuses for him last season. I thought he just hit a rough patch at the wrong time, but it starts to become a trend. So keep our eyes on that one. Absolutely. Interestingly, though, with Steph, did you know that Steph had a 40-point playoff game off the bench? Coming back from injury, I'm guessing. Coming back from injury yeah, against okay. Portland in 2016. I'm sure I did and I've forgotten. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound all that surprising. So I'm sure it was in the recesses mm. of my brain. So I mean, he, he still played 37 minutes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was an overtime game, if I remember correctly. And I think he dominated the overtime. Right, right. Um, but yeah, he and Nick Van Exel had 40 off the bench. Freddie Brown for the Sonics, 45 off the bench. Only three guys with 40 or more in a playoff game off the bench. Bloody hell. And the Van Exel game against Sacramento, I actually remember watching that one in that 2003 series, two days after he went for 36. Yeah, right. So he had a very big purple patch in Indeed. that. Indeed. That Dallas team was so much fun to watch. Oh, they were. Yeah. It was like were. the Walt Williams and obviously the, the Nash and Nowitzki. And when Finley was there. Finley, Rafe LaFrance. Tyson Ch- Oh, no, too no, early. Too early. Too early yeah, Chandler. yeah. But yeah, that was a really fun team to watch. And Sacramento, obviously, were brilliant as well. Oh, yeah. Now, Utah-Dallas tied at one apiece. Dallas managed to come back and have a pretty nice win today. Yeah, so Utah pinched one in game one, but Dallas kind of steadied the ship a little bit in game two. I think there's a couple of things here. So, firstly, Rudy Gobert. I'm just... I don't know what to make of him right now. Six field goals combined in the first two games, one in the first game. Well, what was that crazy stat? And I don't know if we've actually talked about it on the show, but there was some stat that I saw on Twitter doing the rounds that... Donovan Mitchell passed to Rudy Gobert less than three times a game, and yet he had three turnovers a game, which basically meant that he was passing to the other team more than he was passing to Rudy yeah. Gobert. Now, that's a, that's not entirely true because you could dribble off your foot and that could be a turnover, but it was an interesting insight, wasn't it? So, it is. Uh, they, yeah. just, they don't use him right. I mean, Daniel House took six shots in game one alone in yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Gobert's played 73 minutes in the two games and has six shots. Surely you could give him at least two or three alley-oops a game. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. He would have been such a fun guy to play with. Get him in a pick and Lobs. roll. Yeah. Lob. Yeah, that's it. You just got to put it around the rim and yep. you'll mostly finish. Oh, such long arms. But for Dallas, I think the really interesting thing has been how the other guys have gone. Luca hasn't played in games one and two. Having that win today possibly buys him game three to rest that calf. Yeah, well, so he would have got a good few days extra rest by not playing at all yet. So, mm. yeah. But yeah, Jalen Brunson, career high 41 today. He's playing for a contract, mate. Yeah, well, it worked. Yeah, yeah. And then Maxi Kleber, 8 of 11 from 3 today, 25 points. Imagine saying you'd get 66 out of Brunson and Kleber. You'd be happy with that? Be very, very happy. If they expect any success, they need Brunson to play quite well, they, particularly they with Luca banged up. But even if Luca weren't banged up, they need good production out of Brunson. So I'm not all that surprised, to be honest, by Brunson. But it's just the fact that he was obviously having to create all of that for himself. And I saw, again, a lot of extended highlights on this and the dribble moves he's putting on to get into space. And you got to remember as well, he's an undersized player. He's not exactly like he's six foot seven. So he's actually doing a lot of this stuff against guys that are taller than him. I think Royce O'Neal checked in for a decent amount of today. So, you know, it's a tough 
it's a tough matchup for Brunson. And I'm so impressed with how well he did it. I mean, he shot the lights out. That obviously helps. doesn't hurt. When you get yeah, 14 yep. threes out of Cleburne Brunson, that's a, a win yeah, any day. God, I hated his dad, Rick, when he played for the 36. <laughs> He was a fucking good player. Oh, he was good. That's why I hated him. Yeah. I remember he, he ended our season one time in Adelaide oh, yeah, there you go. in the playoffs. There yeah. You go. Well, we'll get to some anger about Adelaide fairly shortly. Yeah, yes. The NBL is coming. So we're going to head east. Yes. We've spoken about Atlanta. They dropped game one in Miami. Did you get a chance to see any of it? I didn't get to see the, see the game, but it was, oh, it was pretty comprehensive, wasn't it? it Miami, Miami have a chip on their shoulder because no one respects them. This series feels like it's over after one. It's one of those ones. It's, it's hard... I've watched enough NBA playoff basketball to know that a team can lose by 40 and then come out and win the next game. So Mm. I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself. But again, I think Miami have a chip on their shoulder and they're trying to show people that they are serious. You know me, I like to overreact to things. Oh, look, no. I mean, it is concerning if you're an Atlanta fan. It's a big loss. Well, so no Capella. Collins just coming back off injury. Trey Young, one of 12 for eight points. And that's the thing, isn't it? If Trey Young doesn't play well, they're fucked. Yeah. Plain and simple. Look, he's shown in the past he's good at making adjustments. The New York series last season, New York threw all sorts of different traps at him and he was able to make adjustments and and they ended up winning the series. So we'll see what game two provides tomorrow. But this Miami team is awesome. Yeah, Duncan Robinson, 27 points on 10 shots. Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, super efficient. Tyler Hero's got through his sophomore slump and playing well again. Yeah. It's it's just they've got so many, even guys like Bam Adebayo, didn't play particularly well. He certainly didn't do it on the offensive end anyway. But you always get D out of him, and that's the that's thing. It. And rebounding, they, yeah. They just, they choked them. They absolutely choked them. So how's this, Chewie? I don't know if you heard this stat. The first time in 386 home Boston playoff games that they've had a game winner. First time ever wow. in their home playoff game history. No Larry Bird, no DJ, no... Wow. Bob Cousy, whoever you John, want to mention. John Havlicek. John Havlicek. Yeah, yeah, first time ever. Wow, and it was a layup. My God. We'll, we'll get to the end of the game in a sec. I'm guessing you have a few other notes first. I, I have notes specifically about the end of the oh, game. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So Kyrie played lights out, but he fucking screwed it up at the end, didn't he? With them up one and with the ball, dribbling around. You could tell he wanted the shot. Oh, of course he did. And then he had to give it off to K, KD at the last second, and he had an off-balance three-pointer from, what, a metre behind the arc or something and clang. Yeah. So And then they screwed up the D. Oh, my God. Big time. And it's interesting because as an OKC fan, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people posting, oh, where was Kevin Durant on the play? I've seen this happen before when he was in Oklahoma City. I go back to this game, so... It's the 40 and 11 Oklahoma City Thunder facing the 14 and 37 Orlando Magic. Oh, okay. You're dredging up a regular season game. Yeah. This is in February of 2014. So up by one, Durant misses a fairly tough jumper from the free throw line. Seven seconds left. At the time the rebound is taken, Durant is level with basically the top of the circle above where the free throw line is. Tobias Harris is under the basket in the restricted zone. Fast forward five seconds later... And Harris receives a pass and dunks home the game winner. Durant is walking over the halfway line. Wow. Okay. Didn't even, even when he realized he was behind the play, he didn't start running. He still just walked. So I've seen this sort of bullshit, I guess you'd call it. Well, there's concerns that he'll be running to the ground because he just played a lot of minutes. Yeah. And they need him to play a lot of minutes without Ben Simmons. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that's the question. It could, could it be that it's lazy? Could it just be that... His brain switched off. Either way, he's standing at the free throw line while Jason Tatum is spinning, 
scoring the game. Oh, but the whole play broke down because they had two guys on the wing that were out of the action almost immediately. So they're playing with five on three. It's no wonder they got a layup to win it. Yeah. yeah, and look, hats off to Tatum for scoring it. Absolutely. And look, Brooklyn... and they shared the ball. Hats off to the guys to get him the ball too. Yeah. They they passed it around to get it to him. Yeah, the, the thing is, like going back to last week when I picked Brooklyn in the series, it's no slight to Boston. They are a fantastic team. Oh, of course. Yeah, it was, a hard, it was one of the harder series to pick. I, I would be no more surprised if Boston won it in four as I would be in Brooklyn winning it in five. I'd be a little bit surprised if Boston swept, but they're, they're, they're capable. They're absolutely capable. They've got great team. They've got the defensive player of the year as well in Marcus Smart. Yes. Which which I'm, you know. That's been announced. I'm okay with it. First guard since I think Gary Payton. Gary Payton, 95, 96, I want to say. uh, Yeah, 95, 94, 95. Yeah, yeah, around that ballpark. But yeah, uh, yeah, look, you know what? Full full credit to him. He is the anchor of their defense, the best in the league. I got got no issues with it. I just don't like him because he's a flopper. But as I say, either way, if Boston win it or Brooklyn win it, not going to be surprised what the number is. Any, I just hope it goes seven. Every game is just a complete coin toss. Yeah. So now they're saying Ben Simmons could be game four or five. Okay. But apparently he hasn't even scrimmaged five on five drills yet. Mm. So yeah. I don't know what's going on there. What did, what did you make of Kyrie Irving with the, the double middle? Oh, he's a dick. He's a dick. Okay. I mean, he, <laughs> he screwed Boston. He said he'd come back if they wanted him. They wanted him. He didn't come back. I'm just so glad because the Spurs were on his short list when he wanted out of Cleveland. And I'm so glad we didn't give up to Jonte Murray for him. I love your hindsight Spurs trades. Oh, no. But even at the time, I was like, there's no way I want that fucking guy in my team. Like He's he's a bit of a cancer. It's, it's hard, though, when he's, he's a great so player. bloody good. He yeah. played bloody well, but he did screw it up at the end. And yeah. so how many of those points are for naught if, if you screw up the end? Yeah. And he did. He pounded the ball. Got a really bad shot off when they could have won the game and stolen home court. So, yeah. There's still time. Oh, of course. There's still time. There is. There is. But yeah, apparently, so I was listening to Bill Simmons today when I was driving. And apparently, during the national anthem, someone yelled out during like a pause between verses or whatever, like when there was a brief period between the singer singing. After the land of the free. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, do you know this, do you? No, no, no. I'm just. Oh, someone yelled out, fuck you, Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> or get awesome. fucked or something to that effect. Oh, that's so good. Oh, jeez. Yeah. 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 Not very respectful of the no, anthem. No, but, no. Uh, well, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, they don't like him there and I don't blame him. I don't particularly like him either. Now we've got a couple more. So Milwaukee won the first game against Chicago. Did you get to see any of that? I saw the end of that prior to the Phoenix and, and Pelicans game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from, from all accounts, Chicago were deer in the headlights, pun intended, in the beginning. And then actually played quite well and had a chance to win it. They just couldn't execute down the stretch, missed some free throws. Yeah. But they'll feel okay about that one, I think. Good pun, by the way. Very yeah, good. yeah. yeah. Intentional. Like it was well, intentional. The reason why I feel optimistic about it is if you look at these three, DeMar Rosen, 6 of 25 from the field. Nikola Vucevic, 9 of 27. Zach Levine, 6 of 19. That is 21 of 71, combined less than 30%. Yeah, and Vuce had good numbers. He, he had a ton of rebounds, but not good shooting percentage, yeah. If yeah. they bring that up to 40 45%, they probably win that game. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's going back to that Phoenix Pelicans game, isn't it? When the shots start falling, it's yeah. a different proposition. I mean, look, Chris Middleton wasn't amazing. Drew Holiday didn't shoot the ball well, but defensively, he's obviously everywhere. And he still had decent numbers. It was Giannis. Yeah. Was oh, he is a beast. Plain and simply, it was Giannis. Yeah. 
just yep. dominated. So yeah, this this one looks like it could be an interesting, potentially one of the most defensive-minded series out of them all as well. It's certainly one of the lowest scoring ones. I think Milwaukee will like this as a bit of a tune-up as they progress through because I fully expect them to do so. Absolutely. And the last one, Philadelphia 2-0 lead over Toronto. Yeah, look, the challenge is when they get to Toronto and they don't have Thibault, but Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. So game one is officially the maxi game. Yeah. So 38 points, super efficient from the field. Good support from Harden, Embiid, and Tobias Harris. Maxi, the youngest sixer with 30 points in a playoff game, beating the record previously held by Mo Cheeks. Ah, very good. Yeah. Surprising that he was the guy because he wasn't really... Yes and no, yeah. He wasn't yeah. a big scorer. He was a distributor. Yeah, true, true. If you'd said Andrew Tony or, yeah. or Dr. J. Absolutely, or, yeah. Bobby Jones. Yeah. There's so many yeah. guys. Will Chamberlain. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a few guys you yeah. could have looked out with that. Yeah. Did you see that Philly only had three turnovers in that game and two of them late? Had wow, a, really? Had the shot clock turnover. No wonder they won so comfortably. Yeah, and James Harden sort of threw a pass out of bounds with like three minutes left in the game. So, wow. Yeah, it had one turnover right up to the wow. last. Wow, I, I, no, I did not see that. Yeah, I, look, I don't know. Maybe it's Toronto on the road. I thought they'd put up more of a fight. I legitimately thought this was a danger series for the 76ers, but. Might still be. Yeah, I don't know. Two, uh, two nothing's a good start. Yeah, and Embiid, I think Embiid has a bit to prove too. Yeah, and realistically, game two, it was just Maxi and Embiid that kind of swapped. Embiid was big, only at 31, played really well. It's hard for them to defend him. Well, I'll actually expand on that and say it's hard for them to defend him without fouling. That's, yes, that's yeah, the key. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know he lives at the line too. So, Well, if you look at the stats, though, game one, they had 34 free throw attempts as a team. Game two, 30. Well, I think he had 12 in the first quarter. Okay, yeah. Just him alone, yeah. I think it was. So it was a lot. 20, yeah. 29 more free throw attempts than Toronto in the oh, first two it's games. It's huge. It's huge. If, if they want a chance in the series, the Raptors have to keep the Sixers off the line. That's, Absolutely. Yeah. Which is easier said than done. If oh, you've got of course. Embiid yeah, yeah. and Harden on the same team. So, yeah. 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 Very, very interesting times ahead. So let's move to the NBL and a bit more interesting than last week. I think it's fair to say you and I had a chance to go to the Perth Adelaide game in different seats and then we rendezvoused afterwards at the brown our sorrows yeah basically yeah yeah. (laughs) what a load of shit that was where do we want to start you want to start there or you've got a bit of pricey i guess on the southeast melbourne are officially eliminated they are i mean essentially it is set up so beautifully right now right there's every chance the last two games of this season besides spots two through five yep which is great which is exactly what you want who needs a play in well yeah well exactly yeah well we don't so sydney illawarra play the early game and if the kings beat cairns and illawarra beat perth it feels like Sydney and Laura play each other every fucking week. Yeah, it does. It they does. must have so backloaded schedule of playing it. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Well, uh, well Sydney played Melbourne all early. Early, that's yeah, true. That is true, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if Sydney and Illawarra win those two games, then that game will decide who gets second spot. Yep. And Melbourne United locked down top spot, so they they really should rest most of their players against Tassie. But I've heard that Vickerman said they'll all play. Right which is very interesting. Yeah, well, winning form is good form. Yeah. I can understand that. But if all of that goes down, then Perth and South East Melbourne, the last game of the season, decides whether Perth's playoff streak stops at 35 or extends to 36. And even though the Phoenix have no real... They're nothing to play for. Yeah. They'll, they'll enjoy playing spoiler. Well, that's it. And Mitch Creek's already said he's going to stay. Okay. So a lot of other blokes will be playing for contracts. So there is stuff to play for. Okay, you might not make the playoffs, but there are things to play for. Professional pride, maybe an ex-contract. There will be players up in the air that might be searching for new teams. Let's so. let's be brutally honest. Let's call a spade a spade. Everyone wants to fuck the Wildcats. Oh, of course. 
Yeah, yeah. Everyone. No, no one, no one east of the Great Australian Bight wants the Wildcats to win unless they were born here or happened to be a fan for some reason. I, I reckon there's probably about four guys in the league who were alive when that streak started, like David Barlow, Brad Newley, oh, yeah, Daniel not Johnson. Many. And not many at all. Probably about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah it's a good good trivia, actually. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, full credit to Adelaide. Let's let's start with them. Yeah, well, it turned out to maybe not be as bad a loss as it seemed when they went and beat Sydney a few days later. But we'll start with this game that we're at. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I suppose it's the first quarter. It's it's the same thing. Sunday Detch, Dusty Hannes, both had 11 at quarter time. And they ran the Wildcats off the court, plain and simple. And Wildcats are dead last in first quarter scoring, the entire league, yep. dead last. Yeah, It's very hard to win games when you're digging yourself a hole like that every time. But it was one of those games where at 10, 12, even 15 down, you still felt like there was a chance that Perth could come back and win it. Well, I remember thinking at halftime it was only 11. And I remember thinking that feels like a win, 11 at halftime, because it was looking like it could be 25. And I think it did blow out to 19, 20. Well, it, got, it got to 20. So it was, okay, there, 20. Was, there was a point where, where Dusty Hannah's basically threw a ball fake, got his defender to run past him. Had the little lay-in. So, no, sidestep through. Oh, that one. Okay. So that made it 40 to 20. And that was the moment. You, you could just feel the energy leave the building. And even late when it got back to 11, it just every time there would be a, a breakdown on defense, a wide open three to a Daniel Johnson or a, a Hannah's or Mitch McCarron got that steal and, and the two-hand dunk. Yes. Which those, those are the plays that just take all of the energy out of you. And and as usual, Daniel Johnson just kills the Wildcats, loves playing the Cats. Now, I have been really thinking about doing this for a long time. I have gone back and I have had a look at every single box score, Daniel Johnson playing us in Perth. Oh, okay. And I have the percentages. Go on. It's not quite as big a gap as we thought it would be. Okay. But his career shooting percentage is 463 from the field. 46%? 46%. Yep. He shoots 50.6%, 112 from 221 in Perth. Okay. During regular season games. So we're talking an extra 4%. Yeah, it's not tons. It's not tons, but at the same time, it's it's something. It's something. It's it something. is something. And there is an 0 for 5 and a couple of 2 for 8s in there as well. So without that, you're talking 54%. So okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does jump up quite dramatically. What I did think was interesting, though, he's played three playoff games in Perth. His playoff field goal percentage in Perth is 33%. Well, one of those will be that game three that we're at for the grand final. Six where he, of 20. He oh, well, the team, they only scored 59 or something. Yeah. They were woeful, yeah. absolutely woeful. That, that was doing the rounds on Twitter recently. And I'm like, holy shit, I, I was at that game, but I don't remember them scoring that few points. Yep. So 12, yeah, so 12 of 36. That'll skew it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But full credit to them. I mean, oh, absolutely. They, yeah. They picked us apart. There was a play where Mitch McCarron out rebounded two Wildcats players on the baseline. And the rebounding's been an issue all season. Absolutely, it has. Yeah. So, yeah, no real surprises. And look, Perth came out. They handled Cairns comfortably a couple of days later, which, as a Cats fan, obviously is a big relief. Well, this was the interesting thing, wasn't it? So, the Adelaide game was the members' appreciation game. And it's like, oh, dear, the team did not get up for that, did they? Yeah. But they did get up for the 40th anniversary game. Now, I wasn't at that one. I do need to make one comment about the Adelaide game that I was at. Mm -hmm. Match day experience, the music. I heard a breathy, auto-tuned version of Scatman John's <laughs> Scatman's World. Like, what the fuck? Why are we playing this? How dare Play you. the original. How who, the, who in their right mind goes, oh, they're sitting around a table and goes, oh, 
Yeah, we need to do a cover this album. What should we do? How about a breathy auto-tuned remix of Scatman John's right. Scatman's World? How dare they ruin a classic? Oh, disgraceful. It, it is disgraceful. You should be ashamed of yourselves, yeah. whoever the fuck you are. Yeah. And whoever did, don't play that song again at Perth Arena, please. Gotta they're not it. listening. No, we're going to hope that they're one, yeah. of, one of the people listening. Please. But look, they've oh. come out, as I said, they've come out, they've handled cans. The jerseys looked absolutely amazing. And yes, yeah, with the black shorts, yeah. yeah. And, and I've heard people say that if the streak is broken, that's the time to rebrand to the yellow. Yeah, right, looks, yeah, It yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, and state colour, yellow. State colour yeah. and, and also the fact that... Which is why they chose it. Half the league doesn't wear yellow. Yeah, true, apart word. from Brizzy. Yeah. Yeah, basically. yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. Yeah, true. But this becomes the Michael Fraser game, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I the, look, the thing that sticks out to me is the Vic Law injury. Yes. But, yeah, Frazier's back. He's here for the rest of the season. So, so we've got to run, run with him. 19 points, 7 of 10 from the field. Still a bit iffy on the dribble, but best game of the season by far in an absolute do-or-die game. And it was interesting to hear in commentary, I can't remember if it was Drewy or, or Heal, but they, or maybe both of them, basically said, look, the shackles are off. There's not a lot of pressure now. Mm. There's no one breathing down his neck. Just get out there and do your best. And that's what he did. Yeah. And it so, always it helps when the first one goes down. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. That when is, you start well. It. Yeah. And look, Matt Hodgson, brilliant in both games as well. Yeah. Well, he was basically the best player in the Adelaide game. And I actually thought he sat for too long in the third. Yeah. Because they seemed to make a concerted effort to go inside more. The thing that bothered me was that the Adelaide defenders wised up to that. So Detch was sagging off guys, knowing the entry pass was going into Hodgson. So he'd kind of sag off and often disrupt it or even steal it. So... That's where you got to adjust, guys. And Travers did some things that bothered me as well, like not making the extra pass to an open Blanchfield in the corner. They got to tighten this shit up if they do make the playoffs. I tell you what, I'm like a broken record, but I still I just don't think he's NBA quality. Anyway, oh, I think his D is what gets him in the discussion. Yeah, just his D and athleticism. Yeah, D, D for discussion, not D for drafted. That's well, it. okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what I think. Okay, do you think Perth can win one out of two games with Novik Law? Oh, jeez. A lot would have to go right. Yes, I do, but geez, a lot would have to go right. It's it's very unlikely the way things are going. I wouldn't put my money on it. And does Coscomo lose his job if the Cats miss the playoffs? Well, geez, I tell you what, he'd struggle. Two losses to Adelaide, lost to Tassie at home. Well, the worst home record in what, since we moved to RAC Arena? I would say so, yeah. It's got to be, surely. I mean, there might have been multiple seasons where we've lost get less games at home in the regular season yeah. than six and five at home prior to that Cairns yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it will be interesting. It, it will be. Discussion for another time. Now, the other team, obviously, that is pushing for that number four spot is Tassie. We talk about them a, a fair bit because yep. we, we, I mean... Oh, it's if, great if, for the league. It's great for the state. They've been starved for sport. It's fantastic. If they were pushing any other team to the line, obviously, we would be barracking for them. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yep. Now, they're down 15 in the second quarter to the Phoenix. They show that typical grit. They push hard. They're they, disciplined. They defend well. They don't yep. turn the ball over. They shoot fairly well from outside. It's just another typical... It's like a, just another stamp in the passport. Another Tassie game, another sort of comeback, another really hard push to the line. That block from Adams on Mitch Creek's drive in the last minute was massive. Love his athletics. I've, I've been a fan of Adams. Yeah, I hope they keep him. So Tassie now have 16 wins. They're 16 and 11. Even if they lose, 16 and 12 is... Brilliant. I mean, how much of an overachievement is it? Oh, it's it's surprising. It's pretty bloody good, especially when you consider how many games Magnes missed. And 
that maybe their third import, I mean, okay, a lot of teams' third import hasn't performed excellent. I mean, McIntosh is okay. He's not terrible. He's had moments. He's he has had moments. And he had that game against Melbourne where he played really well. So he's not shit by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want to give that impression. Yeah, no, look, it's it's huge. It is huge, especially with COVID. Holy shit. It's hard enough as a new team. And a new team dealing with COVID restrictions and all sorts, disruption, wow. Okay, so on that note, and again, it's worth noting that Tassie started the season two and six. Yes. They will be the first expansion team in, I think, certainly in the last 30-odd years to finish over 500. And the average of those, I think the average of the last 12 expansion sides is like 30%. Woeful. Oh, yeah. 30%. Yeah, yeah. Which is understandable. Exactly. Completely understandable. Yeah. Now, do you know the last time a team with Tassie's winning percentage didn't make the playoffs? I reckon it'll be a very long time because there's been a lot of seasons where there's been 500 teams. I'm not looking. No, <laughs> covering up the answer. There's been a lot of seasons where there have been 500 teams. And I think there's even been a season or two where a team below 500s finished fourth. Well, that when we had the play-ins. There was, there was one yeah. season where I think a team went 12 and 16 and made the four. Wow, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So have, have a guess of the year. Oh, I reckon it's good at least 15 years or so. Higher in terms of the amount yeah, of years ago. I don't know, 20? 1991. Wow. That was the last Wow, time. 30 years ago. 31 years, yeah. Holy shit. So with that one, Adelaide, Melbourne and North Melbourne all finished on 16 and 10 to make 4th, 5th and 6th. And that's when there were 18. 14 teams were in that in the league that year. Oh, I was going to say, but that's when there were 18 playoffs? Six. Oh, so that's prior to the eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but Just also, before. If you looked at the talent on teams like the Newcastle Falcons, the Illawarra Hawks, the Hobart Tassie Devils back then, they were winning like five, six, seven games. Yeah. So there wasn't really a whole heap of talent at the bottom. So all of those top teams, and I think that was the year the Wildcats finished like 22 and four. Yeah. Yeah, well, like champions. And they won the championship. Yeah, so yeah. To, to really underline what I'm saying, Tassie have done something pretty much that, I mean, even if, if they lose and don't make the playoffs, it'll be the first time in 31 years that a team with that winning percentage or higher hasn't made the playoffs. And then just quickly before we wrap this up, I am so fucking excited for Illawarra in Sydney. <laughs> that, that game over the weekend, the 107-102 overtime game. Yeah, unfortunately I missed it, i got to say. Yeah. Uh, we watched the end of it at the pub just before going into the Wildcats game. Right, right. The Tyler harvey Dayan Vasiljevic shootout, man, that was fun. And that's that's true, actually. I saw a little bit over the shoulder of the guy in front of us at the game as well, yeah. And we did a bit of that, didn't we? We watched the end of the New Zealand uh, Tassie game at the footy. At the footy. <laughs> we were at the Sport Blog Derby. Yeah, yes. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Did, I'll tell you I, what. I didn't want to watch the footy anyway. New Zealand did not get a good shot off in that game, did they? No, they did not. Yeah. So. Why are teams obsessed with going for three oh, when there's time on the clock? They just didn't think they could win it in overtime. Take it to the rack. Just, just quickly, though, going back, Tyler Harvey. I obviously I give him a lot of grief. Credit where credit is due. This was the most cerebral game that I've seen him play probably since he came over. And there's you've never doubted his talent. No, God no. No, it's just some of the decision making and some poor form. Well, well, the thing that I've always said is that he's got the best floater game that the league's probably seen in a long time since maybe like, I don't know, Steve Woodbury. Someone like that. That's a name that comes to mind. I don't know, Daniel Hinson or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> potentially. So when you see him forcing these threes and it's like that floater game opens up so much it opens up the three it opens up the passing game and it was just it was a joy to watch and honestly 
I really, really cannot wait to watch that three-game series. I think Sydney will win it. I can't wait for all the playoffs. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Here's a question, Shui. Yep. So often the NBL playoffs kind of collide with the AFL preseason and round one. I actually wonder if this timing's a bit better. Because when the NBL playoffs hit, the AFL's kind of nearly in the mid-season lull. And... I don't know. I wonder if punters are a bit less excited about the AFL, particularly if their teams aren't playing well. Well, in the, in the West, half of the people over here are not, yeah. not too excited. As well, and they, the Wildcats aren't any guarantee of making the playoffs, so they, they might not even be able to have a team to support in the playoffs. But I don't know. I just It'll be really interesting to see the, the, the numbers, the attendances and, and the ratings to see if maybe this actually might be a little bit better than when it hits the start of the season. Nothing pissed me off more on the drive to work when I'd listen to, to ABC in the morning and the, the sport guy would be on and they'd be talking about pre-season AFL. It's like, guys, the grand final series is on and you're opening with pre-season AFL. Mm. Now, I know it's more popular, but, geez, it's got to be degrees of importance, hey? 100%. Yeah. Good stuff ahead. Cannot wait. Oh, yeah. Playoff basketball. There is a lot ahead of us. So, sure, we won't go hard on the AFL this week, partly because they're kind of ticking along, isn't it, really? Yeah, it was kind of like the NBL last week where the status quo, for the most part, kind of stayed. I mean, Brisbane beat Collingwood, you expected that. The Dogs beat North Melbourne and so on and so forth. The really big surprise, I think, was probably Hawthorne beating Geelong. And even then, I mean, Geelong aren't travelling that well. Oh, those Easter, the Easter Monday games just consistently dish up. Really enjoyed the last quarter of that one. Just... I'd love to go back and, and maybe I will for next week, go back and look at all the close games for those Easter Mondays because so many of them have just been absolutely riveting. I remember there was one blowout maybe in the last three or four years, but geez, there were so many good contests, kicks after the sire and all sorts of stuff. Okay, yes, it was a two-goal game, but it was it was in the balance till very late, mm. very late, like the last minute or so. So, yeah. Absolutely. I find that Hawthorne fans booing Isaac Smith doesn't sit superbly well with me, to be honest. Didn't the team want to get rid of him? Was it his decision to leave? I don't remember the history, but like, didn't they get rid of him because he was aging? They can be very fickle sometimes. Oh, like he was a Norm Smith medalist for your team. You should be applauding him. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like that. But yeah, like, as I say, the rest of the round kind of, you know, even though my footy tipping was rubbish, five out of nine. Essendon Freo was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I tipped Essendon, so it was it was a big win for the Dockers. Yeah, I, I tipped Essendon as well. It was yeah. just, I, think, I don't even think it's so much it was the fact that the Dockers won. It was the way they did it, the way they dismantled that Essendon Bombers team in the third quarter. It went from about a two, three-goal game to about a six or seven-goal game in the blink of an eye. And speaking of six or seven, Tabs had seven himself, didn't he? He did. So, first, yeah. First docker since Matthew Pavlich to kick seven. There you go. Yep. Okay. So, now he's turning into a very, very handy player for them. Well, not, I've, not, I've sung his praises the last couple yeah, of seasons. Not, not that he wasn't already, but he certainly... He's, yeah, yeah. He's I think consistency was an issue for him, and that's starting to come in. Well, let's maybe start with Fremantle. So, four and one to start the season. Healthy percentage, sitting second on the ladder. Healthy is a key word. Well, 141. That's a, a good number. But but the, the thing that's surprising about this is that Mundy's missed, I think, three of those five, and Fife's missed all of those five. Mm. And Tabana, actually, he's only just come back. They've had some big injuries. So, yeah, very impressive. The one thing I will say, 
and people are going to go, oh, typical Eagles fan. They're 4-0 against sides outside the top eight. Oh, typical Eagles fan. Exactly. Yeah, sorry. They're only Had lost, to be done. only lost so far against St Kilda who are sitting in the top eight. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. I said this at the game you and I went to, sorry to bring it up, the Sport Blokes oh, Derby. We'll talk about that in a minute. We sat behind the goal in Eagles members that I'm not convinced we're as good as our record. And it, the test will be when the Dockers play some of those better teams. Well, here's the thing. They've got a tough fortnight coming up. So they play Carlton at home, though. So that, Yeah, that... but Carlton has been their bogey team a little bit, my friend was was reminding me last night. Yeah, And, and then they've got Geelong down at Goomba, which yeah, is not easy. not easy. And they have won there in the last few seasons. Mm. But yeah, yeah. But then they've got North Melbourne, Gold Coast and Collingwood. So they could very easily be seven and three after 10 rounds. No, they should be aiming for it. Their run home is very tough. But... Yeah, they play the good teams twice. So Melbourne twice, for example. Yeah. But this is also one of those ones where you look at it and you go, well, they've banked a lot of wins early. Is it too soon to be talking finals? Um, at the moment, yes. But at seven and three, for example. Oh, yeah. Well, that's nearly half the season at that point. So, yeah, you definitely have to start looking ahead when you're halfway into the season. And look, you've probably seen a lot more of them than I have. I thank Yeah, you. I haven't watched this game, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, over the last... with the, When your girlfriend is a Dockers fan, I, I have seen most of their games over the last three seasons. My wife is a Dockers member and I still don't... Oh, yeah, but she doesn't watch it as religiously <laughs> no, as my girlfriend absolutely does. not. Yeah. But uh, second best defence in the league in terms of points conceded. They're only eight behind Melbourne for that. They're playing with this just ruthless nature you just haven't seen from them since Pavlich retired, basically. It's... And I've got to say... Sonny hasn't played excellent. He's been a bit shit this season. I think he's been shit for a couple of seasons. Yeah, so it makes it even more impressive and surprising in a way. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, Fremantle, we're, I don't know, we've maybe poured the Kool-Aid into the glass. We haven't drunk it yet, but but it's sitting <laughs> it's sitting there kind of ready to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's, a, little, there's a little biscuit by the side. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it'll be nice for a, a warm day. Carlton's the other one for me. Are you buying Carlton at the moment? Uh, well, they have a lot of good young players. Speaking of Freo, they stole one of their, their best young players as well, of course, in Chera. In Chera, yep. So, look, I thought this was the season they'd probably take the next step. So, I'm, look, I'm not overly surprised, to be honest. They were up 50 against Port and held on to win by less than a kick. The concern has been that they've won some close ones. They were up by 40 against Hawthorne and won by a point. Yeah. But they're winning. Yeah. Yep. And so, this is the tricky one. The four points. So I guess my question is, who's a bigger shock at this stage, Fremantle or Carlton? Freo because of their injuries. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Good. Yeah. What, what do you think? Oh, look, I, I, I think you could make a case for both of them. I mean, Carlton, yeah, you would sort of say they've probably played slightly, slightly harder teams. Like, I don't think we knew what Richmond were going to be at the start of the season. And in that first round, it can be literally anything. I think Richmond were, a lot of people had them as a finals team. Western, the Dogs were definitely the a dogs, finals. Dogs, yeah. absolutely. That's one you would, you would have looked at. Hawthorne, again, like they've been good to start the season. And then the other two games they've played, Gold Coast, surprisingly, that's the one they lost. That yeah, was, by five that goals. Like the, quote, easy one. And then Port Adelaide, look, they've been shit. Yeah, yeah. The signs are there that they could potentially be... No, I think they've probably had a slightly stronger strength of schedule. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you could make a, a case for both. But I think, yeah, you're, you're probably right. The injuries do maybe push it a little bit further towards uh, towards Prio. Right, so let's pull the Band-Aid off. <laughs> The Sport Blokes Derby. Yes, I was happy. It was well, like I said on Twitter. It was a good Friday for one of us. Mm. I look. I actually I went into that one thinking it was a bit of a danger game. To be honest, no buddy, still no Papley. We've been less than convincing. Only beating North by seven the week before, and even that was it required a bit of effort. Isaac Heaney's had a great season. 
Cam Ling listed him as the second best player in the league at the moment. Oh, Behind Petrarca. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I mean, he's bloody good, and I'm glad he's on our team. He took some screaming marks. There were a lot of good highlights, weren't there? There were a lot of Both good... teams had some really good goals. We saw a lot of them at our end because we were behind the goals. A couple of big screamers for both teams as well. So it's, it was an entertaining game. I know the result well, was there were, 70 there point loss is never a good thing, or 60 odd point loss. There were good highlights. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. that 63 is not yeah, great. 63, but, okay. That's but right. uh, look, when you're, when you're supporting a team that doesn't score until 47 minutes and one second into the game, was it that long? That is the latest point in a game that a team has registered their first score at any point after 1999, and I dare say probably a lot earlier than that. As and well. we were we were talking about we're wondering where this one ranks on the in the record books for first score, but also first goal and margin and yeah yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're swampy when you need him. No, exactly right. But look, the for me as an Eagles fan, the effort was abysmal in the first half. It got better in the second. And it was guys like Luke Shuey, Elliot Yo, Tim Kelly. They had moments, but for the most part, fairly ineffective. Just didn't have that usual dash. And Swans were a bit more daring, a bit better through the middle, I thought. That's the big thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and when the Eagles did mount a tiny comeback of sorts, or when they had a bit of momentum, it was the Swans going through the middle, which helped regain the, the ascendancy, I think. I feel like that's kind of been part of the Swans game plan for quite a few seasons now. Though. A bit more daring the last couple of seasons. We yeah. changed our game plan a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, Shannon Hearn looks two or three steps slower. You and, were saying that all night, Richard. Well, because every time he went near the ball, he got beaten. And <laughs> oh, it's just it's going to be a long season if he's matching up on younger guys. Well, with no doubt, Newey, it was it was always going to be tough. It was always going to be tough, but yeah. And Pete Laddams, I got to say, he, he he was very better than I expected. Very impressive. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. He was good. You just look. You do. You don't expect to go to a home game and be down by fifty points no. in the second quarter without no. a score on the board. It was it was ugly. But, and the conditions were perfect, weren't they? Like, beautiful well, day, beautiful night. Oh, a bit dewy. Yeah. yeah, this is the thing. We're not yeah. sure, but it did look a bit dewy. There were a lot of guys like Liam Duggan dropped an easy mark above his head that he would take pretty much 99 times out of 100. There were a few other guys that you could see the ball kind of slipping through. So it's hard to know. Yeah, I mean, no, maybe a little. Yeah, yeah. But gee, clear sky, no breeze. Oh, it's a beautiful night yeah, to be fantastic. at the Fantastic, great absolutely. night for the footy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, though, following the night after the Wildcats got smashed by Adelaide as well, wasn't a great weekend of no, sport. No, no. So Miley notes, Shui, are the talking points coming out of this round. So there's the Tex Walker-Trent Cochin incident where yeah. Cochin's kind of stuck his boot up and kind of kicked him, springs up a little bit. Well, let's, let's talk about it. So this is the quote from Tex. If the shoe was on the other foot, I would have been missing the next month. Well, yeah, if his shoe was on the other foot, he'd probably break his ankle. I was going to say, if the shoe was on the other foot, it wouldn't have hurt as much because he would have been barefoot. Yeah, yeah this is true. He would have had two shoes on this one is foot. Very, yeah, this would be very very awkward. That's, that's why he'd miss the next month because it's all the, the injuries he would cop from wearing two shoes on one foot. I didn't, think the, I didn't think the kick was that bad, but the intent, it's all about the intent on this one, isn't it? Well, it's not a good look. He hasn't hurt him, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a disgusting look, quite frankly, and it's it's unprofessional. And for a guy like that, who is a former captain of the footy club, it's it is oh yeah it's yeah disappointing. Three hundred game player and all that yeah. It's it's the same way that you wouldn't want to see someone like a Joey Kennedy or oh definitely I wouldn't want to I'd see be disgusted a Luke Shuey type yeah. sort of player who's I'd meant be to be disappointed. Yeah, that if you think about what that sets as an example to the younger players coming through the competition, it's yeah it's not cool. And look, as much as I think Tex is a bit of a goose. He still doesn't deserve that sort of treatment, and he's absolutely right. If well, it's not—it's not something you want to see in the game. If that's him that does it, I guarantee he probably gets a week. 
Cochin yeah. got a two thousand dollar fine. That's it. So yeah, I think it sends the wrong message. And yeah, I think I think Walker's right. Taylor himself only just come back from a racism related suspension, of course, which probably should have been longer. To be fair, we won't talk about the sunglasses on the social media. Yeah. The other the other thing for me, and it, look, it's a big talking point in footy circles, is the abuse 50 meter penalty situation so we saw a terrible one in that easter easter monday game between the hawks and the cats didn't we, we did. i want to quote nick mccallum on twitter afl affirms umpires who did not pay 50 meters against all players who raised their arms at contentious decisions over the weekend screwed up they will be told they must do so games will be decided by such penalties that won't increase respect for umpires rather the exact opposite I don't like the fact that he said games will be decided by such penalties because you could make a very solid argument that the Port Adelaide Carlton one was potentially decided by one. There was a free kick paid in the like the center half back sort of position, maybe out on a wing, and the Carlton player gets up and wait, I can't remember who it was, but waves his arms, is like, Whoa, how's that a free kick? If that gets paid as 50 meters, you're marching the Port Adelaide player down to maybe 60 meters out from goal. Yeah and a really good position to be putting the ball inside 50. And obviously with those 50 metres as well, the guy can't run in front. So quite often the player will have an advantage. They're sort of running. Oh, because of the stand rule? Yeah, they're running towards what? that spot. So, well, if they run in front of him, it's another thing. Well, yeah, yeah. And so quite often those inside 50s are a lot easier. It's basically the equivalent of them just running and they've just got to find a, a lead. So you could actually argue that it potentially did decide a game. Oh, it will and it has and it will. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Definitely. I think... It's a pretty stiff penalty for pointing at the replay screen, isn't it? <laughs> like, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, so I don't know. I, I, but is it the umpire's fault or is it the league's fault for a shitty rule? I think the, the umpires, if they have to enforce it, they have to enforce is, it. I mean, is fifty too much? Do you, could you bring in a twenty? Yeah, they've talked about that. Well, they used to have fifteen back in the they day. They did, yeah. So that, that's that's been discussed off and on for decades, really, hasn't it? Could you imagine if they brought in a fifteen meter penalty? <laughs> The umpires would be moving them like five metres. <laughs> well, they can't judge it. They can't judge it. Yeah, very good point. Now, on the flip side of this, I mean, there is an issue with respect against umpires. So I saw on Twitter, uh, Chad Blue 83 said, Christy Moore, who was umpiring a softball game involving 12-year-olds, was punched after leaving the field and showed this pretty bad, and you can see it here, pretty bad Ooh, black eye like domestic violence yeah like umpiring 12 year olds yeah so we do have a mate and that was in the states so it's not confined to australia but we do have a major issue with respect for umpires and 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 look the more poorly they're treated the less people want to become an umpire and then the less the standard is because only the ones on a power trip will be an umpire and they might not be as skilled so we're kind of in this vicious downhill cycle of getting shitty umpires so I actually i don't think the afl is helping the umpiring brethren by making this decision i think it should still be case by case if a guy ever so slightly points at the replay screen in exasperation the umpire might actually go sorry mate on reflection you're right but the whistle's blown it's what's done's done well maybe i mean we should probably just quickly give that 30 seconds in terms of why so just before that and full credit to harris andrews for not exploding on social media from the previous week well i didn't want another fine <laughs> and this week the free kick goes against james sicily for a tiny nudge in the side of tom hawkins and hawkins has planted the left foot yeah and just launched himself sideways like he'd just been hit by a bull and i've seen someone do the uh exploding into space the, you know yeah, that, yeah. like a shooting star <laughs> that, yeah that's that's awesome uh, 
But that's the sort of thing. It's like, well, as a player, how do you not look at an umpire and go, that's why we're frustrated. It's such because, a natural reaction. Because look at it. He's he's taken a dive. Yep. And the league has come out and said they're not going to hand down any sort of penalty to Tom Hawkins because they are protected species, the Cats. <laughs> it's look, it, it's frustrating because those two players, Mitchell and Gunston, they've watched the replay and they've raised one hand and the umpire says descent. Descent, it's a beautiful... Again, though, that's that's the league have made that. So, so the umpires are really between a rock and a hard place here by having to... Because why wouldn't you point to the screen? If a guy's consistently taking the piss a little bit and doing dodgy shit, you would point to the screen and say, look, this is what he's doing. Look out for it for the rest of the game. Because that was only in the third. There was still another whole quarter to go mm. after that. So why wouldn't you point out... To, it's like coaches do it all the time when guys are holding or they'll tell refs to look out for stuff. Mm. So well, and, and it's also it's a little bit cheeky considering what happened the week before when he shoved Harris Andrews in the back, took the mark at a key point in the game. Yeah, and kicked yeah, it off. Like, yeah. Well, you, you can't have it both ways, Tom. Yeah. And quite frankly, for a big bloke like self, it's fucking disgraceful. Harden the fuck up. <laughs> the the big frustration for me, I guess, to sum all this up is there's no penalty for the umpires for not being consistent with this one, whereas for the players. And also, if you look at some of the coaches as well, you know, it's going to cost someone a job yep. at some stage. Well, there might be a penalty for the umpires. They might not kick gigs. So, I, I look, well, I, for me, it's the league. The league needs to really think about this and say, do you know what? Discretion is a very key part of umpiring. It always has been. It always will be. You've got to let guys use their discretion. Hmm. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. What do you have for? So much this week, honestly. Obviously, final day of the NBL season, Hawks and Kings and then Wildcats and Phoenix. I think Celtics and the Nets in the NBA playoffs is probably the one I'm really looking to get into. And if I even get to the AFL this weekend, Freel and Carlton should be an absolute ripper. That's a really interesting one. How about yourself, Mark? Well, I think we don't need to wait too long to see how Toronto go against Philly without Flyball. We've also got the NFL draft coming up soon, which is very interesting as well, but all, a lot of basketball for me in the next week. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.